what Luke failed to mention was that I didn't want to go to church that day. He did tell you that I was a young man, and to use the terminology that you all use in today's culture, I was, I'm, I was in between teenager and millennial. I'm not going to tell you my exact age, because then you're going to try to figure out how old I am today. But I was in between being a teenager and a millennial. I, was, I had plans of my own that day. A friend of mine was getting married, and we were going to party all week, and uh, my parents dare I say, forced me to come to church that day. And, and they figured since they were going to party all week, one night wouldn't be bad enough to miss. And everybody was so excited because Pastor Paul was in town preaching. And very rarely did Pastor Paul come to Troas, but because he was there that day, my parents were so excited that they dragged me to church. And when I got there, I didn't want to be there. I had an attitude. I decided to sit by the windowsill. Now, Eastern Star, I know you don't know much about windowsills at the church because back then, you got to remember, we didn't have beautiful facilities like this. We didn't have state-of-the-art facilities. I heard y'all got like three buildings. Back then, it was the start of the Christian movement, so we were meeting in people's homes and houses. And this particular home that we met in that day was on the third floor. And I had an attitude. I didn't want to be at church that day. So I decided to sit away from everybody else. I decided to sit by the windowsill. I was in church, but the church wasn't in me. I was in church, but I was disconnected from the fellowship. I was in church, but I wasn't fully engaged. I was in church, but my mind was somewhere else. In church, but wasn't participating. And I've traveled all this way, so I might as well be honest with you. I wasn't fully plugged into the church. I have a sneaky suspicion that there's somebody who came to church today just like me. Truth be told, you don't want to be here. Be honest with yourself. Your girl probably made you come. Your spouse dragged you out the house. You came because a friend, your baby's friend was being dedicated. Perhaps it was somebody's birthday. All they wanted for you was to come to church with them. But you made your way to the house of God, and the truth be told, you don't want to be here. You're sitting by the proverbial windowsill. You've come to church, but you're disconnected. You've come to church, but the church isn't in you. You've come to church, but you're not a part of the fellowship. You've come to church, but... but but you don't participate in the worship. The ministers and the worship leaders got to team up just to get a hallelujah out your mouth. Just to get a thank you, Jesus. Just to get you to clap your hands. Because you've come to church, but you don't participate. You're not engaged. Whenever the pastor said we need volunteers for something, you don't show up. Whenever the church expresses the need for help for the youth, you never sign up. Whenever it's time to give the offering, you get stingy because... You've come to church, but you're not in the right position. You're disconnected. You're not engaged. You're not fully plugged in. And whenever you're not fully plugged in, you don't really see the full work of God in your life. That's why you and I, we say stuff like, well, the church don't really work the way folk think it works. The Bible, we, I used to have that same excuse. I would say the Bible is just full with fairy tales. The church folk, they talk about how great God is, and God ain't really that great. 
the church don't really work like that. It's because we're not fully plugged into the things of God. I mean, if I can be honest, I was so unplugged that I fell asleep that day. And I was sitting by the windowsill because I felt like I was missing something out in the culture. So I felt like if I can position myself in the church in a way that I can be in the church and still find something that I can look at in the streets. Your pastor preached my story before, and he says that I was sitting in between the church and the streets. That's where I positioned myself. That I was halfway in the church, halfway in the culture. Pastor Jay said that his grandma used to say something like, you can't straddle the fence. Is that a thing? I was straddling the fence. I was halfway in the church, halfway in the streets. Matter of fact, there's somebody, you came to church today, and you just like me. You're by the proverbial windowsill. You're sitting in between the church and the streets. You halfway in the church, halfway into something else. No wonder why you think the church don't work. No wonder why you think God ain't moving in your life. No wonder why you think the scriptures ain't real. Because you have positioned yourself in between the church and the streets. You halfway in the church, halfway in the culture. You halfway in the church, halfway in something else. There's a statement that goes on in your culture that people say that we got to have a balance between righteous and ratchet. I get what they're saying. I get it. Because some of us are so holy that we're no earthly good. But I've came all the way, I've came thousands of years, I might as well be honest with y'all, that, that some of us claim to be a little bit ratchet and righteous, but to be honest, you more ratchet than you are righteous. That's why you know more about what's going on in the culture than you know about what's going on in the church you say you love so much. That's why you know more about your favorite entertainers than you know what the, the, the gospel of the preachers that are being preached. That's why you know, that, matter of fact, that's why you in the club, you twerk more in the club than you dance more in the church. Because you halfway in the church, halfway into something else. And if truth be told, when you and I position ourselves in that way, I can be honest, I fell asleep on God. I fell asleep on the church. I fell asleep on the things of God. I fell asleep on the fellowship, and I found myself falling out of the church because whenever you and I fall asleep on God, it leads to a bad fall. And that's why we think the church don't work because we're not fully plugged into the things of God. Pastor Jay was telling me a story about his wife who used to work for a job that had her traveling a lot. And... He was telling me this story about the time where, he was tra where she was traveling, and by the time she got to her hotel, she had spent all day traveling, all day working, working throughout the evening, and she gets to her hotel room, and she's just ready to wind down, and so she grabs the remote in her hotel room, she hits the power on the remote, but nothing was coming on on the TV. She was hitting all the right buttons, but nothing was working. 
And now she's frustrated. She had been traveling all day, working all day, only to get up in the morning to do the same thing. And she just wants to relax, watch a little TV. She's hitting all the right buttons, but nothing is coming on. Out of her frustration, she calls the front desk. She tells the front desk, I'm hitting all the right buttons, but nothing is working. They send somebody to her room with hopefully a solution to the problem. She tells them, I'm hitting all the right buttons, but nothing is coming on. And it didn't take long for the person who came up to the room to discover the problem to the situation. They said, ma'am, the reason why you're hitting all the right buttons but nothing is coming on is because your TV ain't plugged in. She had been so frustrated that day that she didn't even look to check if the TV was plugged in. She had been hitting all the right buttons, but nothing was working because she wasn't plugged in. And I have a sneaky suspicion that there's somebody in the room today, you hitting all the right buttons, but your money ain't working, relationships ain't working, friendship ain't working, jobs ain't working. It may be because you ain't fully plugged in to the things of God, but I'm a living witness, and I know I got some other folk in the room that can tell Testify that once you get plugged into the things of God, just stand back and watch God work. But I had to learn the hard way. I fell asleep on God. I was disconnected from the fellowship. And as a result, I fell out the window. Three stories down. I fell from the church to the streets. I fell from the light to the darkness. I fell from up high to someplace low down. And I say I fell because I was out of position. I say I fell because I had a bad attitude. I was sleeping in church. But can I give you the real reason why I fell? The real reason why I fell asleep that day and the real reason why I fell out the window, I'm gonna be honest with you, church was boring. It was not engaging. It was not exciting. And if y'all forced me to come to church, y'all should have had something in place to keep a young man like me engaged. <laughs> it was boring. Listen, Luke wrote it in the story. He said that Pastor Paul planned to talk until midnight. And I don't care how great of a preacher you are, nobody wants to hear anybody else preach for six hours straight. It was boring. So I fell asleep. And I asked Pastor Paul one day, I said, how come church can't be fun? I mean, I get it. I know we're in the serious business. We saving souls. We changing lives. We making disciples. We evangelizing. I get it. But we can still have a little fun, right? I mean, ministry can be exciting. Church can be fun. Church can be engaging. And the reason why I fell asleep that day, I don't want to put the blame on the church, but it is part of the church's problem. They didn't have anything in place to keep a young man like me engaged. Pastor Paul wasn't speaking on anything that I could relate to, that my demographic can relate to. As a young man in Troas, as a young man trying to grow in his faith, there was nothing in place that the church was doing that could keep a young man like me engaged. Where was the mom ministry that day? How come they didn't invite any, any Christian artists, any Christian rappers, any, any positive poets? There was no faith-based short film, no use of technology, nothing. And, I, and, and, and if I can be real, I think 
we, we as a church have gotten comfortable that we no longer, we no longer create a worship experience for people who don't know who Jesus is no more. We create worship experience for people who are already saved. So now we are no longer evangelizing. We just recycling other church members. But at what point are we as the church going to be tired of young people falling out of the church and into the streets before we create an experience that young people can be engaged and connected to the things of God. We got to create an experience for people who don't know who Jesus is, that if they can come into the church to engage in the experience, to leave out of here on fire for Jesus. But I was bored, I was bored that day. And Pastor Paul, he wasn't talking about nothing that I wanted to talk about. And, and I know I've traveled thousands of years, and I, I, I've been caught up on some of the discussion that's going around. There's a lot of churches that's trying to figure out how can we get the young people back in the church? How can we get the young people back in the fold? How can we get people who ain't never been raised in the church or heard about the biblical stories, how can we get them back into the fold? Well, I, wanna, I haven't done ministry now for over 2,000 years, but I want to suggest to the church in 2020 that what if we made church exciting again? What if we made church a little bit more fun? What if we, what if we gave the culture what the culture is itching for? The perspective of God on the topics that the culture is speaking on. Because when young people are speaking about topics throughout the week and then come to church and they see the church ain't talking about nothing, it makes the church look like we ain't relevant no more. What does the, what does the church have to say about Dwayne Wade and other parents who have children who are struggling with their identity at a young age? What does the church have to say about the coronavirus that is taking out people all around the world? What does the church have to say about black women who are trying to tarnish the legacy of black men in their death as people are still grieving? What does the church have to say about the things of this world? Because you and I, as the church, we got to do a better job of telling the same story that Jesus lived, he died, and he rose again. It's the same message. We just got to give it in a different way that can relate and connect to the people of this day. Man, I'm so jealous of the church in 2020. I wish we had social media in the first century in Troas. I wish we had the technology back then. I'm trying to figure out how come ain't no more churches investing financially, investing energy into the digital media space. I'm trying to figure out how come we as a church ain't producing nothing that could be shown on somebody's screen because we got to figure out how can we engage with a culture that is spending more time on the screen and less time in a book. We got to engage in a culture that will watch a movie before they'll listen to a sermon. We got to engage in a culture that will listen to a rap song before they'll listen to a hymn. How are we going to engage the culture of today? Because the same ministry that saved me in the first century ain't going to save your nephew in the 21st century. The same ministry that saved 
saved your grandmother won't save your grandchild. The same ministry that took place in Eastern Star in 1920, in 1920 won't be effective in 2020. We got to make a change if we want to be able to connect to the people of this age. Your neighbor didn't say amen. They must be sleeping in church. I was sharing with Pastor Jay what I wanted to share with you today last night as we were watching the all-star festivities last night. And he was trying to teach me this sport game, basketball. I've never heard of such. And he was sharing with me about a player who wasn't selected in the festivities, wasn't selected in the game, but Pastor Jay said he was a pretty good player. He was a part of the rising rookie all-star game a couple years ago. He goes by the name of Lonzo Ball. Was drafted pick number two out of UCLA to the Los Angeles Lakers. And when Lonzo Ball came into the league, there were mixed emotions about Lonzo Ball, partly because of his dad, I hear. But then also, because the way that Lonzo Ball used to shoot the ball wasn't effective. Like, his shot form was completely ugly, for lack of better words. That he would start shooting the ball from the side of his head and move it to the front of him to get the shot off. And it took him forever to get his shot off. That's why his shooting percentage was so low when he first got into the league. He's been in the league now for only three years, but as his rookie season, his shot percentage was like 30%. And it was pretty bad. And the media will always ask Lonzo Ball, are you ever going to change your shot? How are you going to, how are you going to become more effective in your shooting, in your scoring? How are you going to help lead your team to victory because your shot ain't working right? And Lonzo Ball would always tell the media, well, I know it doesn't look good now, but this shot got me to where I am. He said, this shot got me out of high school. This shot got me a scholarship to play for UCLA. He said, this shot got me the second pick in the NBA draft. And Lonzo Ball made the mistake in thinking that what got him there was going to keep him there. And that's how many of our churches operate. We've seen success in our ministry and how we've done it for years, hundreds, 50 years. And many of our churches continue to have the same form, but not effective. But Lonzo Ball learned something. He got traded from the Lakers to the New Orleans Pelicans. And now his shot has gotten better, not because he's on a new team, but because he changed his form. He has the same goal. The goal is still the score but he just changed up his form. He kept shooting with a new form. And we as the church in 2020, that's the same mindset that we ought to have. At some point, we got to change our form. I know it seems like young people don't want to go to church no more, and we losing out on people, and we losing out on, on, on growing families and, and saving souls. But that doesn't mean we stop shooting. That doesn't mean we stop playing. At some point, we have to change our form. And once you and I have enough courage and bravery as the church to change our form, 
storm, how many of you know that's when souls can be saved? That's when lives can be changed. That's when families can be mended. That's when marriages can be saved. At some point, we got to change our form, change our ministry, change up how we do it. We keep the same goal. The goal is still saving souls. But we got to change up how we present it, change up how we deliver it. Otherwise, we're going to have more people falling out of the church and into the streets. And that's what happened to me. I fell out of the church and into the streets because I was sleeping in church, because I was in a bad position, because Pastor Paul was talking on and on and on. And I experienced a bad fall. And maybe that's why Pastor Jay asked me to come today, because there's somebody, you have a similar story like me. For whatever reason, you've experienced a bad fall. You fell from success to failure. You fell from good grades to an early pregnancy. You fell from a healthy marriage to a broken family. You fell from a great job to now you're not making the money that you used to make. You've experienced a bad fall. But I've come to help you out this morning that even though you have experienced a bad fall, it doesn't mean that you have to stay down. That we serve a God with enough power and grace and love that will give you the strength that regardless of the type of fall you've experienced, God has enough to get you back up again. And I can say that because I experienced that. The reason why I'm able to share my testimony and share my story today, yes, I experienced a bad fall, but I had enough strength to get back up again. And the reason why was because I had a church family. I had a pastor that left the four walls of the church, went down to the streets where I was, and gave me life again. Because that's what the church needs to be. The church needs to be a people who don't just come to church for a couple hours once a week, but can take the church into the community, that can take the church into the workplace, that can take the church into the classroom, that can take the church into the neighborhood, because we can't wait for dead people in the streets to come into the church on their own. At some point, we're gonna have to be the light of the world, the salt of the earth, and take Jesus to the streets. That's what Pastor Paul did for me. Matter of fact, that's what the disciples did for Pastor Paul. He went to a city to preach the gospel, and the city was so upset at Paul that they stoned him to death, left him for dead. But the disciples and the apostles came around Paul, laid their hands on Paul. And Paul, who looked like he was dead but was able to bounce back up again, went back into the same city to preach the gospel because that's what you and I need. We need some people with enough bravery who just don't come to church on Sunday at 9.15 but can take the church throughout the week into to you the people that you meet on an everyday basis because believe it or not you may be the only church that people experience you may be the only bible that people read you may be the only jesus that people see we got to take jesus to the streets matter of fact what paul did for me is what jesus did for people all the time we read miracles about jesus and many of the miracles that Jesus performed, y'all, it wasn't in the established religious institution. 
It wasn't just in the temple, in the synagogue. It just wasn't in my church, my tabernacle. Every now and again, Jesus will go out into the streets to make a difference. Matter of fact, when he selected his disciples, y'all, they weren't at the altar praying and worshiping. They was out in the streets. When Jesus fed the 5,000 people with that two fish and five pieces of bread, that little lunchable, y'all call it, y'all, that wasn't at a church luncheon. That was out in the streets. When Jesus healed that woman with the issue of blood, that wasn't at a women's conference. That was out in the streets. That when Jesus raised that little boy from the dead in the casket, that wasn't at a youth conference. That was out in the streets. At some point, we got to leave the four walls to bring Jesus into the streets if we're truly going to be a blessing to the world. And that's why I appreciate Easter Star Church. We've heard what y'all been doing. We, we, we know that y'all have had a history of building buildings, but now y'all out here building houses. Y'all out here building businesses and y'all out here building communities because y'all know what it means. Y'all know what it's like. Y'all know the importance of taking Jesus out of the four walls and making a difference into this, into this world because I've heard some of the violence that are going on. I know some of the crime that is taking place. I know all of the families that are falling apart and we gotta do a better job of taking Jesus out of the four walls and into, real, into reality, into the real lives of human beings, matter of fact. That's what the black church has been all about. The black church couldn't afford just to come to church and sing and shout and preach within the four walls because we had to go out and fight spiritual warfare out in the streets, out in our communities. Matter of fact, that's what the white church used to do. The white church would come into their buildings and their sanctuaries and sing amazing grace, how sweet the sound. That saved a wrench like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Blind, but now I see. They would sing about the amazing grace of God. Then when church concluded, they would go outside, right outside of the church, and create a lynch mob and kill black folks right after church. That when the white members would come to church, they would come and preach about the good news of God. Then they would go into the, 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 their offices and create policies that would dehumanize the black culture. That they would come to church and talk about how great God is. Then they would leave the church and exchange black bodies as slave commodities. Because we as the black church couldn't afford just to come to church and stay in the pews. We had to go out and make a difference for our people. And our community and when I traveled thousands of years to come to y'all this morning I ran into people like Nat Turner who after church went to go fight the oppressor for his people I ran into people like Harriet Tubman, who after church created the Underground Railroad to save her people. I ran into people like Sojourner Truth, who after church told the white women, ain't I a woman too? I ran into people like Booker T. Washington, who after church not only started a college from scratch, but built a college from scratch. I ran into people like W.E.B. Du Bois, who after church challenged 
challenge the intellect and the mind of his people. I ran into people like Rosa Parks, who after church challenged the system of segregation. I ran into people like Reverend Martin Luther King Jr., who after church brought Jesus and equality and love into the streets. They told us that we got a legacy that we have to follow, that the same spirit that made you shout in the church ought to make your protest in the streets. The same spirit that helped you preach in the pulpit should make you vote in the voting booth. The same spirit that made you praise God in the church should have you challenge the social systems in the streets. It's time for us to be the salt of the world, the light of the world. It's time for us to bring Jesus to the streets. Do I have a witness in this place? And y'all, that's what Pastor Paul did for me. And that's why I'm here with y'all today. That I was in the streets. But Pastor Paul came down to where I was. And the church folk thought I was dead. But Pastor Paul said, no, y'all too far to make a judgment on this man's life. He's still alive. And Luke tells the story that once I got back up again, I ain't go to the club that night. I went right back to the church. And when I got to church again, I was more involved. I was plugged in. I was connected. I was hanging out with the fellowship. Why is that? Because I experienced a bad fall. Because that's what falls do. That God will create a fall on your behalf to wake you up. And I can testify that once I fell and woke up again, I went back to church. Now I'm singing along with the choir. Now I'm taking notes in the sermon. Now I'm helping out with the youth. Now I'm setting up for the worship experience. Now I'm giving my tithe again because a fall will wake you up. And I don't know who I'm talking to today, but I know you've experienced a bad fall, but I want you to know that the church is a safe haven for fallen people because we serve a God that has grace for fallen people, love for fallen people, mercy for fallen people, another chance for fallen people, destiny for fallen people, purpose for fallen people, a future for fallen people. Is there anybody in the room that they thank God that even though I fail, God got me back up again to walk me into what God has for me? Uh, uh, Pastor Jay uh, was showing me last night this thing y'all call social media and this little thing y'all call Instagram. And I'm not a big fan of Instagram. I'm a, I ain't gonna lie to y'all, I ain't a big fan of it. I'm more of a fan of the Bible than I am of Instagram. And I'm gonna tell you why, because, because Instagram and social media, y'all be so fake. Y'all be so fake. Cause I ain't seen nobody talk about their bad day. I ain't seen nobody talk about the mistakes they made. I ain't seen nobody talk about the things they did wrong. They want to point out the wrong on everybody else's life. They don't even talk about the wrong they've done, the bad days that they've had. All I seen was promotions. All I've seen was a new job. All I seen was a new spouse. All I seen was somebody's kids was on the honor roll. It was just so much good, I couldn't take it. I had to go back. I had to go back and read the scriptures again. I had to go back and read the Bible because what I love about the Bible 
Bible, the difference between the Bible and Instagram and social media is that the Bible don't hide the falls of people. The Bible don't hide the mistakes of people. The Bible don't hide the sins of other people. The Bible keeps it a hundred, as y'all would say. The Bible keeps it all the way real. And that's why I love the Bible so much, because the Bible teaches us that despite of your fall, God still has a plan for fallen people. Abraham fell when he lied about who his wife was. Jacob fell when he stole the birthright from his brother. Rahab fell when she made a living off prostitution. David fell when he committed adultery and murder. Peter fell when he denied Jesus three times. Paul fell when he persecuted the church. I fell when I fell up out of the church, but I'm so glad to God that God has a plan for fallen people. Matter of fact, there was another man that fell over 2,000 years ago. No, he didn't fall in sin, but he fell from 42 generations. He fell from heaven to earth. He fell from earth to death. He fell from the cross to the grave, but he didn't stay down when he fell because the Bible says early Sunday morning, three days later, God rose Jesus up from the dead, and because Jesus got up, now you and I in our fallen state have an opportunity to get connected with God. Is there anybody in the building that thanks God for the grace for fallen people? Did you fall, but did God pick you up again? Did God keep you? Is there anybody can praise God for the keeping power of God that even when you fall, God kept your family, God kept your mind, God kept your money, God kept your reputation, God kept life in your body, and because you got breath in your body, the Bible says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. If you got breath in your body, that's enough reason to give God praise. I know you're fallen, but you're still alive. I know you're fallen, but you're still here because a saint ain't nothing but a sinner who failed but got back up again. Somebody in the room ought to praise God for the sustaining power of Jesus that'll pick you back up after you've fallen, that'll give you another chance after you've fallen, that will keep your mind after you've fallen. Is there anybody grateful for the power of Jesus Christ? Uh, I got to go. I got to go help Pastor Jay with his kid. But can I tell you last night as we were watching the All-Star festivities, the All-Stars in Chicago, they put 24.2 seconds on the shot clock. They didn't give a moment of silence for Kobe Bryant and, and, and the commissioner, David Stern. They didn't give a moment of silence. Y'all, they have a moment of noise for the honor and the legacy of Kobe Bryant and commissioner David Stern that I, I appreciate the legacy of Kobe Bryant and David Stern and Kobe's daughter, Gigi. I get it. I know that we ought to celebrate them. But and for 24.2 seconds, they made noise in Chicago for Kobe Bryant and his daughter, Gigi. And I can make noise for Kobe, but Kobe didn't save my life. Kobe didn't give me another chance. Kobe didn't give me a direction and purpose. But for 24.2 seconds, I dare you to give God praise. Because if they can praise God for Kobe. You can praise God for the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Somebody in the room ought to praise God in this place because God will get you back after you've fallen.